Well, this is the Shaw Vineyard Sermon Podcast. My name's Dan Goodwin, and I'm the youth pastor of Shaw Vineyard, and I'm here with our assistant pastor, Calvin. Hello, sir. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. This is a new experience for me, but this I quite is. like it. Yeah, we're doing a little intro for uh, our podcast. Uh, we're starting a brand new series on this podcast. It's called Moments of Color. And before we get into uh, the first part of that series in just a second, want to encourage you as a listener to this podcast, if you are a part of our church community or you are looking for somewhere to spend your Easter weekends, we'd like to invite you. We've got two events happening on Easter weekend, one on Good Friday, one on Easter Sunday. Easter Friday, or Good Friday, is at 6 o'clock at our, uh, at our church, Shaw Vineyard, uh, 252 Forest Hill Road uh, on Auckland's North Shore. And there's also Easter Sunday morning, 10 o'clock service. And we would love to invite you to come and uh, experience Easter with us, and also to invite your friends, your family, uh, your colleagues, your neighbours, Gather everyone you can together and uh, join us for what's going to be a couple of really, really awesome experiences for your Easter weekends. But for you, if you are a podcaster, then uh, we're glad to bring you this first part of this Moments of Colour series. And sort of as a backdrop, Cal, when you did this first part of the series, you started by playing a video and podcasts are an audio medium. So we thought we would take a bit of time and let you explain the video and why it sort of moved you and why you introed your message series with it. Yeah, please enjoy my audio description of a visual <laughs> experience. Uh, I found this video uh, a few months ago of a 29-year-old woman who has been deaf her entire life, and uh, she was eligible for a hearing implant, and she had this hearing implant done. And I think if you just type deaf person hearing for the first time on Google, you can find this video. But it was just incredible just seeing her emotional response as her hearing implant is turned on for the first time and just her being able to hear her own her own breath, to be able to hear her own laugh and her own crying. It's an incredibly emotional video and, I, and you hear me talk about this um, just as being a, a moment of color, something significant that, that moves someone's ordinary life experience to something new and extraordinary. And that's really the premise uh, of that video right off the bat. It's awesome. And so with that, uh, here is part one of the Moments of Color series. Enjoy the podcast and I'll be back at the end to uh, give you some next steps so that you can get more involved here at Shaw Vineyard. Enjoy part one of Moments of Colour. I want to propose to you this morning that the that the Jesus story itself is a moment of color. And that when you read the Gospels, when you press into the story of Jesus, what you see is these moments of color. Every encounter with Jesus is a moment of color, right? You see these people's lives transformed. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. But this is what we're looking to press into. We're looking to connect with these moments of color in this series. We're going to be breaking it down uh, into four parts. So today we're going to be talking about this whole idea of remembering Right? Remember is just this word we use so much in our vocabulary. and We talk about remembering all the time, and it's like we're actually going to try and connect a little bit with what it means to remember. Um, next week, we, uh, Vic's going to be talking about receiving, and that's going to be a real sort of deep look at the, at the covenant ideas and sort of the, the underlying theology of the Easter story. Um, then on, on Good Friday, we're going to be looking at this whole thing of grieving. We don't really, we tend to in the church, we tend to like all the stuff that makes us feel happy and good and or whatever about ourselves. But actually part of the Easter story, a really important part of the Easter story is to actually enter into the pain of the cross, 
right, to actually experience the emotion that the disciples felt and those who loved Jesus felt, that sort of loss of hope, and to actually explore that a little bit, which means that when we come to Easter Sunday, we come to the story of the resurrection, the good news of the resurrection of Christ, we come to a place of rejoice, right? This is what we're looking to do. This is our Moments of Color series. And all of this is an attempt for us to immerse ourselves in the Jesus narrative in the hope that we too might go on to experience our own moments of color in the rest of, uh, in the rest of this year, in the rest of our lives, that we would continue to be connected with these moments when uh, Jesus breaks through into our everyday life. Um, and communion actually is going to play a really pivotal role. So every time you come to church over the next three weeks, we're going to take communion together. And each time we take communion together, we are going to uncover a new layer. We're going to discover something new of the Jesus story, both in our lives and in the lives of people around us. And so this whole emphasis on taking communion together is going to be important. When when we do communion at the end of the service today, I'm not going to ask you to go back to your seat and sit quietly by yourself. I'm going to ask you to gather with some people, perhaps with some people that you wouldn't normally gather with, and that you would pray together and you would take communion together and you would connect with this moment of color together. That's what we're looking to do. Does that feel like a journey that you want to go on? Because it sure does feel like one I want to go on. Are you guys with me on this? Yeah, awesome. And so today, we are starting with this whole idea of remembering. So, what does remembering do in us? Um, I'm a big fan of like the inspirational sports movie, right? Any other, have I got any other fellow inspirational sports movies fans? Yes, right? American football. I know my stepdad Steve will be right here with me on that. Right? Um, We love these sort of movies, right? They they tend to capture something inside of us. But one of my all-time favorite movies is Remember the Titans. I saw this movie when it came out in 2001. I think it was like one of the first times I was kind of allowed to go to the movies by myself, you know? And um, and I've always loved this movie. I reckon I've seen it like 10 or or 11 times. And it's it's based on the true story of a guy called uh, Coach Boone who gets asked to coach a team in 1971 in the first desegregated school in Pennsylvania. And he gets to coach this football team of of white kids and black kids who who basically have been at war with each other, and he needs to unite them. And and the incredible story of this team is that they go on 13-0 in their season. They go on to win their state championship, and they actually go on to become runners-up in the national championship as well. Incredible story in a state that has no other desegregated schools. Every other school they play against is an established white school. The odds are against them. And so there's all this sort of animosity that's going on in the team in the front end. And they end up uh, going on this training camp. And uh, there's this beautiful scene where they're, where they're all running together and Coach Boone makes them stop. And this is what he has to say. Check this out. Anybody know what this place is? Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of 
young boys. Smoke and hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. I killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. The message is really simple. If we fail to connect with the history of this place, if we fail to know what happened here, if we fail to, to, to uh, connect with it on a, on a deeper level, then we're doomed to the same history. We're doomed to the same thing. It's like, it's like this, the coach is trying to get them to, to connect with it in, a, in, a, in not just a way of just remembering what happened, but that actually it's like you've actually got to know that this story plays a part in who you are. It affects who you are in the depths of your soul. Like that story of the battle of Gettysburg where 50,000 people died, mostly young, incredibly young men, some even boys. If you can't carry that story, if you don't recognize that it's not a part of who you are, you're doomed towards the same kind of, the same kind of fate. We have to realize that remembering history isn't just about having some sort of like... I recognize that that's important or or whatever. It actually does something to us. It captures us. It draws us in. And it shapes something of who we are. In fact, remembering our past informs our present action and anchors us in our future hope. This is what the Jesus story is all about. This is what it means for us to remember the Jesus story. When we remember the past, when we remember the, the, the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it informs our present action. When we, and I'm not just talking about just like re- remembering it as a historical thing, but when we connect with it on this deeper, uh, raw, emotional level, it does something. It informs our present action. It shapes something of how we live and participate and contribute to the world around us. And it anchors us in our future hope, this hope of a, of, a, of, a, of a better future, of a coming kingdom, of a restored and a redeemed humanity living in partnership with God. Like that's our story and that's what we're invited to. And if we miss that, if it just becomes this nice story that sort of makes us feel good because, you know, our, you know it's like my sins are forgiven and whatever, it's all good. If, if it just becomes something like that, then we miss out on the bigger thing, the more beautiful thing, the more profound thing. So remembering our past informs our present action and anchors our future hope. Uh, N.T. Wright, uh, who's a really prominent theologian, says uh, this, this, uh, this doesn't just mean remembering Jesus and his death. We do not simply recall the events of cavalry with our minds and hearts and faith and love and awe, though we should certainly do that every time we come to Jesus' table. Remembering means that somehow... Jesus is present, that his one-off death is made contemporary with us. The unique past event rushes forward to accompany us on our journey. Isn't that beautiful? The unique 
past event rushes forward to accompany us on our journey. This is a story that isn't just something that happened that sort of impacts my life now. It's a story that we carry with us, that as an anchor deep in our souls and takes us towards something. This is what remembering does. This is, what, uh, this is why remembering is important. So when we come to the gospel story of Jesus and the Last Supper, and he breaks that bread and he passes around that wine and he says, do this in remembrance of me. He's inviting us to, to tap into a deeper memory, a deeper sense of knowing, not to just reflect on that which has been, but to connect with it in a manner that would inform our present action and anchor our future hope. You guys are with me, eh? Wonderful. So when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, what are some of the things that we actually remember? What are some of the moments that we carry with us that actually become a part of who we are, that accompany us on our life's journey? And I want to just point to like a couple. Like I've, I've always loved, loved the Gospels and I've loved the, these sort of encounters that Jesus has with people along the way. It seems like in just these, you know, in just a brief few lines, it's like you just see transformation take place. In the most beautiful way. But let's just look at a couple of them. Um, we see moments of uh, redemption. John 4, 1 to 30, there's this, this uh, story of a conversation that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman. If you're unfamiliar with the story, Jesus is walking along and he sees a well and there's a woman sitting at it. She's a Samaritan woman, which is basically code for the Jews hate those guys, right? Okay. And so uh, he sees this woman. He knows he probably shouldn't talk to her, but he, he does anyway. He says, will you give me a drink of water? They have this beautiful interaction. They have this conversation, and a whole bunch of stuff about her life comes to the surface. And as it ends, it finishes with this. Um, uh, just then, as his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the, uh, can this be the Christ? So Jesus has had this incredible conversation with her. And what the disciples come back and see, they're like blown away. Oh my goodness, our rabbi is talking to a Samaritan woman. We don't talk to Samaritans. And we don't talk to women like one-on-one, -on -one, like, no, no, what is he doing? And yet this woman has had this incredible encounter. Oh my, he told me everything about my life. Come see him. Could this guy be, the, could, could he be the Christ, right? So there's a moment of color happening, right? There's the disciples who are, their minds just been blown. What is, what is our rabbi doing? What's going on over here? There's a Samaritan woman who's like, this wonderful Jewish rabbi has spoken to me and I feel like he's not just a rabbi. It seems like there's something else going on. Could he be, could he be more? I've got to go tell people about it. My life's been transformed, right? Something has happened in this moment, in this encounter. And that's an incredible story of redemption. And what about the stories of healing that we see? In Mark 2, 1 to 12, I've always loved this. The story of a man being let through the roof by his friends. So Jesus is in a house and he's teaching. And, he, and basically it says there's no way for anyone else to get into the house because even the doorways are blocked up. And so these friends, being the geniuses that they are, I, I can't, you know, the practicalities of this, right? If someone climbed onto my house, right, my, my very expensive, very tiny slice of Auckland house, if someone climbed on it because I had someone teaching and they, like, cut a hole in it and lowered someone through, I'd be like, what are you doing to my house, right? I can't even imagine, like, the practicalities of the story. But this is what happened. These, these guys were like, I want to drop 
our friend in the mix because we know that if we can get him in front of Jesus, something's going to happen. And there's a whole bunch of like conversation that kind of happens around that. But carrying, um, carrying on, so picking up. So uh, Mark 2, verses 10 to 12 says this. I am doing this so that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick man who could not move his body, I say to you, get up, take your bed and go to your home. And at once the sick man got up and took his bed and went away. Everybody saw him. They were all surprised and wondered about it. They thanked God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. Like just the, you know, just imagine, right? You're there, hole in the roof. Like, like, I just imagine like a little bit of sawdust, you know, like kind of dropping down. And then this whole, you know, surely that bit of would have fallen to the ground or something. I don't know how it works. And then this guy gets lowered in. I know someone will probably come and talk to me about like first century Israel architecture or whatever. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But in my mind, it's quite like a humorous story. This like, you know, like cartoon style, like saw coming through, dropping someone down through, through this thing. And, and it's just this thing where Jesus says, well, I just want to show you what I'm up to. And people's jaws are on the floor. Why? Because this is a moment of color. It's like suddenly the story, that they, everything they thought was normal, everything they thought that what, what was and what was meant to be, it's, it's all blown out the window now. How could we not thank God for doing this? It's a moment of color, right? What about, what about um, some stories of compassion and justice? Oh, and just in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, there's just this, this you can almost miss it. But there's just this story of a of a of a like a soul leper, who comes up um, to Jesus and says, "If you choose, you can make me clean. If you choose, you can make me clean." It's like just this such a simple, beautiful request. And moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and he said to him, "I do choose. I do choose." Here we have, you know, like we tell the story all the time, like the Jesus who sits at the right-hand throne of God, Son of the Most High, you know, the royal priest. And in a single solitary moment, one-on-one, with a soul leper whose society has rejected, Jesus says, I do choose. I do choose to heal you. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. There's no crowd there, Right? It's just this beautiful moment, but, but a moment of color. Because if you're a leper, you are on the outside. You live outside the city gates. And if you are clean, you are allowed back in. Right? It's not just, like, it's not just that he was healed. It's, there's a full restoration that takes place in this moment. Isn't that beautiful? What a moment of color. Man, I, we could go on like this, right? I could just pull out every gospel story I could think of. You know, 5, 000, feeding 5,000 people. Man, what a crazy thing. Um, walking on water, what a crazy thing. We're not going to, you know, I could be, we could go, into, the, we could go into, the, into each verse, but, you know, the, the healing of a, of a bleeding lady because she just was like, I just need to touch his cloak. Like these crazy moments of color that are just dotted all through the Gospels, moments of inspiration, moments where just a tiny conversation sends someone on their way, like basically takes them on an entirely new trajectory of their life. Moment of color after moment of color. And we have this text and we are invited to remember these things because if they shaped and informed the action of people 2,000 years ago, 
and it's a and it's a it's a reality that informs our future reality. If it's something of God and it transcends all of time and space and everything, then these stories can be moments of color to us. If only we would let them. If we would let them jump off the page and not just be black and white words. Sorry, black words written on white pages. These could all be moments of color. And so with that sort of as a backdrop, let's come to the communion table. Let's consider the Last Supper because this, I think, is a really significant moment of color. Luke 22, 15 to 20, if you have your, um, if you have your Bibles with you. I'm reading from the ESV, in case you're wondering. Sometimes I, I often forget to put that on my slides. But Luke 22, 15 to 20 says this, Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. If you've been around church a long time, you've heard that who knows how many times. Certainly, if you've been in our church over the last 10 years, you would have heard, heard that verse or a similar one, um, you know, on the last Sunday of every month. Because it's the story that, that a lot of us are just uh, ingrained with, it just becomes this thing we kind of hear, but there's so much depth to what's going on in this story. And this is like such a significant moment of color for the disciples, for these people who were in this room, okay? So here's some things we know about that supper. For those of you who studied sort of the, the, the Old Testament side of things, the Jewish side of things, this is a meal called Passover, Pesach, all right, as they would call it. Um, <clears throat> Pesach is a meal that basically helped the Jewish people um, stay connected with their own story. This was their remembrance. This was them remembering what God had done for their people. It helped them stay connected with the reality that God loved them and wanted them to be free. We're talking about a people who have been in slavery in Egypt and in Babylon, and now they were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. You know, like this is like they have been living in this rhythm of like freedom and slavery, freedom and oppression. You know, there's this rhythm that's kind of been sucked up in their life. And so they stay connected with the story that as God's people, he longs for them to be free. And this meal is such an important meal because it helps them stay connected. And it's not like they just gather and eat this meal together. No, there's a whole bunch of things that would kind of go on, little things like that it happens. So, you know, you hear, about, you hear about unleavened bread, right? Well, the reason why they use un, un, unleavened bread is on the last night when they left Egypt, they, they weren't able to get the stuff to make the bread arise. So I'm not a baker, so I'm sorry. I don't know the terminology, but they had unleavened bread, so they have that. And then they spiced the bread with these deliberately bitter spices so that it kind of made your, made your face scrunch a little bit. Right? That's what, the, that's what it was for, so that you would connect with the sorrow of living in slavery. That was what it was for. Just all these like little things. And the head of the house would stand up and he would say certain things and you would kind of move through. There'd be this rhythm to the Pesach. There'd be this rhythm to the Passover. 
And the whole point was to stay connected. This whole meal seemed to say in a hundred different ways, this is who we are. This is who we were. This is who we will be. And it was almost like coming through all of it, there was a strange music of the story. This is who God was and who God is and who God will be. See how it just like ties, ties them in? That the history wasn't just this thing that happened, but the history shapes who they are and shapes the thing that they hope for. This is what remembering does. This is what remembrance does. And now here's the crazy thing. I want you to imagine that you are sitting, sitting at that Last Supper, that you are sitting with the disciples. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read a little, a little passage from a book, just a short passage, and it'll help you connect with what the disciples would have seen and heard and what was going on for them. Okay? Jesus was speaking. He was going to say the words that the head of the family always said. You knew them by heart. Your father had said them year after year. The bread that our fathers ate when they came out of the land of Egypt. The cup of life. The cup to freedom. But you'd probably had a little bit too much wine or something. What was this thing that he was saying? Take this bread and eat it. It is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This turned the world upside down, your world upside down. Everybody was staring at Jesus now. You were convinced that he maybe had even gone over the top, the t- over the top this time. This was the Pesach meal, the meal that said, you know, the Egypt stuff, the freedom stuff. How could this meal possibly be about Jesus' body? And why should we do this in remembrance of him? What could he mean? You're still buzzing about this when the cup came round. There are so many cups at a Pesach that none of you could really remember afterwards which one it was, but you never forget what happened. Again, the familiar words. Again, Jesus turns them inside out. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is shed for you and for many so that many sins can be forgiven. Time seems to fall through the floor. This was way too much. His blood? Everybody knew Jews don't drink blood. A new covenant, sins forgiven. Everybody knew, of course, that the prophets had promised that God would eventually make a new covenant with Israel, his people, like when he had brought them out of Egypt. Everyone knew that, uh, everyone knew that that would be when he finally forgave Israel's sins once and for all, redeeming them from all their troubles and giving them freedom. Yes, that was what part of Passover was pointing forward to. But somehow the future seemed to have arrived in this present moment. And there you were, sleepy with food and wine, quite unready for it. And how on earth could all of this have had anything to do with Jesus' blood? Here's what I'm trying to paint for you as I read that. For these, for these young men who had surrounded Jesus and spent three and a half years, all you ever see is their minds being blown. They have this understanding of their culture and of their history and of their God and how redemption and freedom is going to come about. And it seems that all along the way, Jesus with, I don't know, with, with grace and with love and with intelligence takes these ideas and these concepts and the, and the words of the prophets and the, and the words of the Torah and, he, and he, just, he just weaves this new, grander, more profound, more beautiful future reality. This is the thing that God is doing. 
This is the thing that God is unraveling and, and placing and, and, and laying out before you. And so here's just this other moment of color where suddenly the whole meaning of this meal is redefined. And the disciples are invited to participate in it in a new way. And we kind of know how the story goes, and we're going to be exploring the story further. We're going to be diving deep into the, into the death and the resurrection. But, but at this time when they had this meal, the death hadn't happened yet. The cross hadn't happened. And it kind of happens really quickly right after this Passover meal. Like, like things go downhill fast. And it's incredibly overwhelming for the disciples. Like what's going on? It's like everything, they, even what they thought they knew about Jesus sort of comes to a screeching halt. But in this moment, Jesus takes this thing and he redefines it. He blows it open and he reshapes the history and the story of what God is doing. And this meal is given to his disciples. And it is given as a way of being able to pass the story on and to remember the story and to be connected with the story and to be shaped by the story for generations to generations to come. And somehow this meal has made its way over 2,000 years across oceans from the Middle East to Auckland, New Zealand, where we are here today, and we get to take communion. And so I want to invite you to the communion table this morning. In a way, the story feels a bit unfinished. I know we've got so much more territory to cover over these next uh, three services. But I want to invite you to come to the communion table this morning and remember and what you remember might be different to what I remember. The things that strike you will be different. But, but I want to ask you, what, what do you remember about your own experience with God? What are your moments of color? What, have, what event has happened in your life that you haven't thought about in a really long while? And you're like, oh, of course, how could I have forgotten? What stories in Scripture make you come alive, spark something in your heart? And you just know you haven't turned to those pages, that those pages are kind of stuck together or a little bit dusty or something. What story? What is it that God is inviting you to remember this morning? And as you take communion, what, what is God stirring you towards? What, is, what does action look like in your Monday, in your workplace? What does it look like? What is, what is being stirred up in, in the depths of your soul this morning? How is your present action informed? And, and what do you hope for for the future? As you take communion this morning, what is the future thing that you hope for? What is the, the coming kingdom of God? What does that mean to you? And these are all really lofty things that, to think about just while you're, while you're chewing some bread and drinking some wine. But that's what I want to invite you to this morning. So would you stand? This is the Shaw Vineyard Sermon Podcast, and that was our assistant pastor, Kelvin Culverwell, with part one of the Moments of Color series, Remember. And we would love to invite you to join us for part two. This Sunday, Vic is going to be sharing on Receive, and that idea as we continue this series, 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock this coming Sunday, if you're listening to this during the week. Otherwise, you'll be able to hear it here on the podcast a couple of days after that. Again, I want to invite you to join us for Easter weekend, Good Friday, or Easter Sunday. Why not both? You can find out details on both of those events at our website, svc.org.nz. Also, hey, while you're online and while you're looking around, you can find us on Facebook, also on Instagram. Keep up to date with what's going on in the life of our church throughout the week. 
let us know uh, what you thought of this message series, uh, well, this, this first part of the message series. We'd love to hear from you as well. Email us or get in touch through Facebook or through Instagram. It'd be great to hear from you. Well, I'm Dan, the youth pastor for Shaw Vineyard. Been a pleasure to host this little podcast for you, and we'll see you next time. 